Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Welcome or welcome back to Freedom Slay Podcast. If you've ever wondered how to get big publicity for your business or how to act and what you should do if you did, then this episode is for you. You're going to have an opportunity to get the answer to all of this and more from my guest, Susan Harrow, who is a media coach and marketing strategist who is known for helping those that work with her to double or triple their business with media interviews by using sound bites effectively. And don't worry, if you're listening to this and you're like, WTF is a soundbite, don't you worry because she explains exactly what a soundbite is and why it's important as well in the episode. For the last 30 years, Susan has been the brains and heart behind Harrow Communications Inc., which is a media coaching and marketing agency based in Northern California. She's also the author of Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, which was published by HarperCollins and is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post and Psychology Today. Susan's brilliant work was seen on the CNBC special, The Oprah Fact, and really all across TV, radio, and the web. And I mean, New York Times, CNN, Inc., USA Today, and many, many others. She helps executives, entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, startups, CEOs, coaches, and consultants to clarify their messages, set up their systems, craft their signature soundbites, and get life-changing media exposure so that their media appearances actually result in real business for them. Having gotten her clients everywhere from the Oprah Winfrey Show, the Today Show, ABC's Good Morning America, and even Food Network's Chopped to the Wall Street Journal, I think it's safe to say that Susan knows her stuff, and I cannot wait for you to learn from her. So without any more gushing on my end, let's dive right into this episode. Hello, Susan. Welcome. I'm excited to have you on Freedom Slay Podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. I love your podcast. I must write a review immediately. Oh, please do. And anybody listening, please do the same. Thank you, Susan. (laughs) Now, I know you have a really great professional bio, but before we get into all of that, I also know you have a wild one that I know listeners would find so interesting. You talk about being almost start, well, getting into the CIA possibly. You talk about almost being sold to camels. You talk about being a black belt and it was just so many things. Your mom being a gypsy and reading faces and all the things. So can you just share a little bit about that wild bio and tell us how you got from there to where you are today? Yeah. So I wrote my wild bio way long time ago when the internet was new. So I was really one of the first people to write more of a a wild bio, like more personal things, because I really find that when you tell about your background, your life, people can really relate to that. It's not just your professional experience. And I'm sure you've heard this before that, you know, people are really buying who you are, not your knowledge. At the highest level, people are really buying your beingness. And what better way to express that than things in your background? So when I, when I wrote, you know, I was almost sold to a Bedouin sheik in Israel for 10 camels and a mule, chased by elephants in Africa, almost drowned going down the Zambezi River. That, those are like life experiences that change you and that make you 
really have this kind of different levels of background that brought me to who I am today. And that's really, you know, people are more curious now about you than your business book, product, service, or cause. That's been, that's been brewing for quite some times when Burt Reynolds first said it, you know, people are more interested in me than my book. And now it's really become a whole kind of trend, right? Talking about ourselves. And sometimes I think that trend has gone too far in the other direction, which is telling things that are so personal that maybe that's something and that's always a personal choice too I want to say that's always the personal choice but sometimes it veers toward telling too much too soon and to too many people you know so one of the things that I counsel my clients and my workshop participants on is you make that choice but know that once you've said whatever you've said it's out there forever and you can't take it back so you make that choice about how personal you want to get and is it to the benefit of your audience I think that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I feel like reading your, your wild bio, because obviously anyone who's going to come to you for media training, they're going to look at the professional bio as well, because they want to ensure you know what you're doing and your professional bio is amazing. But the wild bio is like, I need to work with her <laughs> because all of it's just so interesting. Like even the thing about like being able to read people's faces, has, has that helped you in your career now? It really has. I mean, my mother is like, my mother was my first media trainer because she was like, Miss Pop Quiz, like she would say, you know, uh, so have you been riding with any guys on a motorcycle? You know, and it was sort of like the shocking question and you're like relaxed, you're at dinner or whatever. And so that really helped me train people on like, okay, what do you do when you get the surprise horrible question? Um, so really one of the things that I learned, and this is part of my background and I'm happy to share it because I wanted, I thought your audience would really like to know how I went from my side hustle to my business, you know, and it was, and I know you talk about this a lot in taking those very particular steps. So I want to share that. So one of the things in my background is I worked as a consultant in HR for a large corporation for almost 10 years. What I did there is I interviewed people and then I also put them through in person on the phone role play. So I had to watch their facial expressions, their body language and their verbal and rate it in every area of skill and rate them as people. Like, did we wanna hire them from everything from customer service to C-suite? And did they have the qualities, but also were they a personality match for the company? So I actually interviewed over 3,000 people and put over 1,500 people through role plays, both in a group and one-on-one. So that was fantastic media training for me because I had to not only observe it, but then share it with other people to make a decision whether to hire this person or not. So that reading people's faces, I got really good at not just reading people's faces, but being 100% present to hear and listen to what people said. Because if you miss something and somebody asked you a question about it, somebody else in the company that was also interviewing them, because we did that, like one, as I said, one-on-one in a group, you would have to back that up. So that was fantastic training in, in both of those areas for my business. You know, and that's something that I learned. I really did learn that from my mother, how to read people. It got grooved in over those nine years because I haven't had any formal training as a media coach. I never trained anywhere. It's all been baptism by fire. Interesting. And 
it's funny because you would think the way you worded it though, like my mom was a gypsy and taught me to read faces and the way you're able to articulate it's just so special. In there, you mentioned that your mom used to ask you random questions and it's <laughs> helped you train your clients to know how to handle those questions that come out of nowhere that are really hellbent. What is that? What do they do? And someone asks them a question that they weren't expecting and they don't even want to answer. Yeah. I mean, that's great. So that was my mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, So the first thing is really to master yourself because you can never control another person and it's a really big job to control yourself. So it's about, you know, being really grounded. And what we often practice is worst case scenarios. Like what questions do you not want to be asked? What part of your past don't you want to come up that somebody may have dug up somewhere? Because now, you know, with the internet, it's possible to dig up all kinds of embarrassing things, right? Like what don't you want to talk about? So we practice that so that you can be really comfortable answering the question. And then I train transitions. There's some internal practices and external practices. So the internal practices are like taking a breath when you feel like you're hit in the gut, let it go before you respond. All of that takes like one second. So nobody's going to see it. But part of it is also training your bodily functions. Like I train in Aikido. I'm a, I'm a black belt. And one of the things that my sensei, my teacher always reminds me of is like, don't make your eyes big. When somebody's coming to attack you and you open your eyes too big, they can see it's not fear, but it's like, oh my God, right? There's a little bit of an, oh my God response. So Mm. it's about training yourself to not have the, oh my God response. How do you do that? That's practice. So how do you do it? You put yourself in the situation where you're going to have an, oh my God response, where your eyes are going to pop out. And we practice having a transition, something as simple as, I don't know about that, but what I do know is that's a phrase that can save your skin in any situation. It also buys you time. So that's a phrase that I teach all of my clients and all of my workshop participants because that's one so important. I mean, if you don't learn anything else, that one can save you. Does that make sense? For sure. And it's now saved to my memory bank, just in case I get asked a question I don't want to answer. So thank you for that. And unlike anyone I know, you're able to share your story in a way that's entertaining, but yet it's still super laser focused. You're able to pivot the conversation to exactly where you want it to be in order to sell your offers. So what is the secret behind that? I think it, I think it goes back to mastering yourself and believing in small steps and practicing things every day. I have so many daily practices in many, many different areas, right? Like some of them are practices that are, I walk, I'm taking a little break from Aikido right now, but I have a, a practice of deep contemplation of Tonglen or, you know, blessings for others. Those are kind of internal practices. And And mostly when people get up to higher and higher levels, it's more about the internal practices than it is about the external ones. Like I have a client who's an executive and he was sent to me for leadership training. So it wasn't so much about, he was pretty much at the highest level. He couldn't really go any higher in his company. But what we were talking about in training to is deep communication, how to handle difficult conversations, how to fire people. What I love about media training is that it's really about communicating everything in your life because we even talked about how to handle as children. When you start to be able to master yourself and you start to do practices that grow your presence, 
every day, suddenly shifts happen. And sometimes it doesn't happen like overnight. Like even in, I have a writing practice. I write with the same group every single week. And one of the things that I came up against, Gainate, is like, I'm not really writing about anything that can be useful. Like it's not useful in my blog. It's not, I'm not working on a book that I want to be working on. It's just writing. And it was so frustrating to me that I couldn't use the writing. Other people are working on books. We're all published authors. They're getting these great blog posts and I'm getting nothing, nothing of use. You know, I'm such a productive person. You know, I really want to even be productive on my weekends, even if it's, you know, I, I like to get things done and see progress moving forward. But what happened is that my writing got better and I went deeper. Right now, I can't use any of that practically, but I know that that is going to serve me when it comes to my next project. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So even the things that we sometimes think aren't related or helping us to go in the direction we want to go, they do in some way those daily practices that help us grow as individuals. So I do, I like that. And I know you help clients double and triple their business with media interviews by using sound bites effectively. So how would you explain sound bites to someone who's never heard of it? And why do you believe sound bites are so important? We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yeah, so somebody's are just really your key messages and they're integrated into a conversation. So they're not the conversation necessarily itself and they're stories, statistics, facts, anecdotes, analogies, acronyms, vignettes. They're really what I call the ambassadors of your spirit. It's really about as much what you say and how you say it. So they're usually between 10 seconds and 30 to 45 seconds. We have more latitude now on a podcast. On a TV show, you're going to get 10 to 20 second intervals where you've got a four minute, like we're talking about national top TV shows. You have have four minutes, usually total four to six. So that means you have two or three minutes max of yourself. And that's conversation going back and forth. With podcasts and radio, you have a little more latitude. Most, on podcasts, you know, you might get a minute. I mean, I'm t- probably talking a minute or two. There's a little bit of more of a latitude on radio. And the higher you go, the less you have. So it's 20 to 30 seconds on the radio. So you want to have your stories and all of these, whatever your sound bites are made of, you want to have them to be flexible. You can say something in 10 seconds and then you can say it in 45 seconds. So you can say it both ways and also modular, meaning you can stack them on one another. So if whatever you've said is complete in its own sort of cube, right? So I want to go back to how important it is and how you say it, because I have a millennial client. She works for a company that owns a top app. And I think that that a lot of your clients, this is probably true, or the people who are in your 
courses is that millennials often, you don't, but millennials often use Upspeak. And the issue with that is like, she's super smart, but she's not taken seriously because of her voice is chirpy and she has Upspeak. And other media trainers tried to dampen her enthusiasm and they work on that Upspeak, but with not any success. So what we're working on is vocal variety and rhythm and pausing and pacing and drama by focusing on like the positive and then the upspeak will start to dissipate. So sometimes like not focusing directly on an issue is really the ticket. And it's about like for her, it's about keeping her enthusiasm and liveliness. And she said to me, you know, thank you for not trying to change me. So with your sound bites, you really want them to sound like you. I think there's so much pressure on the internet to sound like other people or be like other people. We really want, uh -huh. I love what, what Oscar Wilde said, you know, is be yourself, everyone else is taken. But I think we often forget that, you know, in the flurry of trying to achieve or what, whatever that is. What's most important, I think, for creating your sound bites is to not make it too complicated. The most important one is your story of origin, why you do what you do, because on pretty much every interview that you're ever going to be on in the media, the first question is, why do you do what you do? Why did you write that book? Why did you start your company? So you have to have an answer for that. And that would be your story of origin. And that can be something that you brought through childhood. It can be changed in an aha moment. There's all different types of stories of origin, but that's number one that you need to have. Another one that is really great to have is, you know, advice or insights, but also success stories. Like how have you helped the people? Like I saw one of your posts just recently. I was up on your Instagram and somebody said, I have a business teaching people how to run a business, but I can't get people to buy, right? And you mm -hmm. answered, well, girl, you know, I thought you, it was beautifully answered. You said no shade, but you have to embody what you teach and you have to have the backing of knowing that it works for people, not that it just works for yourself. You know, that's credibility. Those are testimonials. I know you have a lot of great ones that you do and you have people pop up on video and everything in your Instagram feed, right? Like people saying how great your courses are and the kind of successes that they've had. So it's best in their own words. And then that's something when you're on an interview that you can encapsulate, you can repeat that. So it, it takes away the shame of bragging because it's the results that you're having through people, right? So that's what I really love about that, being able to share the success that you've helped people achieve. Mm -hmm. That's good. And you said that way more articulately than I'm sure I said it, because I think I said something like, you can't teach people to run a business if you aren't running a successful business, or you can't, it's like a money coach trying to teach someone how to successfully manage their money if they can't do it themselves. It's just not ethical, right? No, that's totally uh, true. I had a client who wrote how to become a millionaire. And I said, when did you make your first million? And she said, I haven't. And she's with a traditional publisher. I said, well, that's an issue. We're going to, because everybody's going to ask you that question. How did you make your first million? Right? So that was something, and she was an established writer. So that was something that we really had to work on soundbite wise. Cause I'm like, everybody's going to ask you that. Yeah. So first of all, you mentioned upspeak. When you say that, are you referring to like voices getting squeakier? Like what is upspeak? Oh, upspeak is when you, thanks for asking. Upspeak is when you go up at the end of a sentence, like it's a question. So mm. what I really know is, 
You know, uh, it's asking it as a question instead of saying it as a statement. That's very common with millennials. Uh, so I would say it like this, that's very common with millennials. So it's like, it's a question and not a statement. It's very common with millennials. Mm, see, and that's something I probably wouldn't even pick up a pattern. I wouldn't pick up from someone else, but because you've been in this industry for so long, it's something you notice, which is great. So what would you say is the key for strong sound bites? And can you give us some examples? I know you mentioned the story and understanding your origin story and all of those things, but what does a sound bite actually sound like? Like, can you give us a short one? Because I know you said they're like 20 seconds. Can you give us an example? Am I putting you on the spot? <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. No, um, there's some one-liners. So those are those are actually harder than people think because they're things that you really want to lodge in your memory. But one of my favorites from one of my clients who started astrology.com that then got bought by the way for 60 million, her company. I was just going to say that is a crazy URL to get. How it's did she get that? She was, she yeah. was then bought by iVillage. So they were the first, one of the first astrology sites. Yeah. So I was media training her all throughout that buying process also to give credibility to her and you know to raise her credibility so the value of the company would go up. So she said, astrology is a guide, not a god. So that's something that's very repeatable, right? Mm -hmm. And that also uh, gets people to ask other questions like, oh, what does that mean? It broadens the, yes. the topic. I like that. Yeah. For my book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, so a book description because if you're pitching it to an agent, I know you talk about that too. How do you pitch your book to an agent? So sell yourself without selling your soul is about promoting yourself without bragging, begging, or whoring and still getting what you want. So that would I love be it. pitch for a book. You know, one of, I wanted to share with you one of my recent client ones because I just want to say they don't have to be like super sexy. While I want to have them shaped, I never want them to be slick or salesy. So it's better if they're more natural. So I pulled up one from my client who has a company called Shabu Prince, because she's on it, she's doing media right now. And we were working on her story of origin, but I think the one that I liked here, I can share two of them from her if you want, but if one's enough, that's good. Because this one I really liked. My question to her was, you've said that you went from hiding to hating your public persona to stepping out publicly as the face of your business. How did you get there? Because I think this is a really big issue for anybody stepping out into the media with their own company. And she said, I couldn't even put my face on my Facebook profile. That's how used to hiding I was. I stopped piano lessons when I had to do a recital. I stopped tennis when I had to do tournaments. She said, I had to step out as myself. And she said, today I have a course called The Power of You on Video to lead the business from the front and for people to tap into their signature difference and their secret sauce but I still get nervous in interviews like this. So that's- a oh, I, love, I loved that for so many reasons. You did. <laughs> oh yeah, so many reasons. So I loved that one, she was transparent and showed the evolution, right? So when she didn't have her face on Facebook, when she didn't do the recital out of fear of showing herself there. So you know the backstory and with that, I'm sure so many can resonate with that who's also afraid to show their face. So she gave that vulnerability, she shared the transparency but then she was able to easily tell you the solution for it, what she had available. And what was the last thing you said? It was something you said, the very last bit of it. She said, I still get nervous in interviews like this. That's yes. what she said. Yeah so, yeah. Again, yeah. so again, adding that human factor where it's like, I have no superpowers. I'm a normal human, which again, humanizes yeah. her, makes more people interested in it and more likable at the end of the day. So I love that. 
Yeah, she and she is, you know, so she's just, you know, a, a wonderful gal. Another one of my clients who is a medical doctor, and I think I can say, I can't say what it is, but I can say that one of her products has just been licensed to Oprah. So she's got a very interesting business. One of the things that she talks about, and this is, this is if you want to really spark a conversation and be controversial. So her stance, and we, we haven't started doing, we we're doing social media, but we haven't done actual media yet, but she talks about as a medical doctor, how illness is not really necessary. While it can be very transformative, we've come to a place for people and the planet where we really don't have time for this anymore. That's mm. a really radical statement, right? And so I, I love that we've used that in her. We just finished a book proposal for her. And I'm like, this is how, this is one of the things we put in. We did like a super quick mini book trailer, but I'm like, that's really radical. That's really amazing. You as a doctor to say something like that. So to get a conversation started being controversial, but also being able to back it up. So of course her whole position and her whole book and her whole, you know, medical practice is supporting that. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. Isn't that, it, and it you know, sparks conversation as well, right? Because the next yes. question is, well, tell me if it needn't be possible, what do I have to do to avoid it? You know, so it's just going to create so much. And it's funny, you, you, you are just throwing all the stats so smoothly in here as well. Not even stats, throwing all of your highlights really from your clients. Like one had a $60 million deal. Another one has something with Oprah. Like you are just the pro at this season. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't even think about it. I, I think about it as like, they're doing so many amazing things. And that's who I want to work with. I want to work with people who are doing amazing things in the world. That is what, you know, I want to be the support behind that because there's so many, like I have a dream and I'm going to just put this out there really in case and I want to work with Tom Steyer, you know, I want to media train Tom Steyer. So he'll be president in four years and work with him on not just, climate change is not my thing necessarily, but he has the capacity to change the world with his billions in so many ways. Just like I know you mentioned Mark Cuban. I love the fact that Mark Cuban is paying the salaries of all of the people, you know, who work in the stadiums, the popcorn maker, all mm -hmm. of those people, because he has that power with his billions. When people have that kind of money, they also have the power to change the world. And as we see now, power is with the people. I mean, look at what's happening now in COVID. And so I want to be with those people who have the capabilities of really changing the magnitude of hunger, of the way women are treated, of equal pay, of not having people be prejudiced against, you know? I mean, I, I love that. So that's what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're working with individuals who are shaking the world for the better. You want to work with individuals who are really making moves and making things better along the way. So I, I love, love, love that. And we chatted before, it was for my Freedom Slate Inner Circle membership about 
why trying to get on Good Morning America or like the Oprah Winfrey show when that was a thing straight off the bat isn't the wisest ideas. So for those listening to the podcast, why is it that that's the case? What's the hierarchy of media they need to be aware of? Yeah. And I just want to finish the story with my, my client who's sort of new to media, but she's a doctor. She had an opportunity because I think that these kind of opportunities come up. They may come up for your people as well. She had the opportunity to do a Facebook live streaming event for unify.org. And her 30 minute talk got over a million views when it streamed on Facebook. So while she hasn't gone to major media yet, she's getting some of her feet wet on social media. Now it was a talk that I, I, I worked with her on too. It's a talk for 30 minutes. So you have the latitude in that specific way on social media of controlling the perception and controlling your material, which you're not going to have on major media, right? So practicing on um, social media like you do every day, you are up on camera. So you have got enormous experience now being comfortable and being on camera every day and talking off the cuff. That is a gift. It also comes from a practice. Like you, you're great at it, but I bet you didn't start as great as you are. Right, right. Because I've been following. I, I was. Yeah, I was terrible. I was terrible. Twenty fifteen was horrible. <laughs> right, but you kept doing it. But I have to tell you, I don't know that you know this, but you were one of the first people I followed on Instagram. You know why? You had something. I saw your yellow. You had a book out. I go. I have no idea what this woman is selling, but she's really interesting, and you were magnetic. So I followed you. Thank you. Oh yeah. And I think I've told you the story before as well, how I found you. It was around that time. This was way back in 2015. And you had the ebook out about how to get on, how to get an O magazine and, you know, all of that. So I bought that ebook, which was amazing, by the way. And from there, I started following you on Twitter and all the places. So yeah, that's how I found you. But that's interesting. Thank you so much. I'm glad you found me interesting enough enough to be yeah, a first follow. photos and there wasn't even instagram stories instagram stories didn't even exist at that point it was just you know i mean it's evolved so much since then so getting back to what uh what what you can't run a marathon before walking a mile so walking the mile means do guest blogs do podcasts do digital online publications do social media like we just were talking about instagram and facebook live get your feet wet get comfortable on camera, doing audio, whatever your gift is. I do recommend that you expand whatever you're comfortable with. You don't have to do all of those mediums. Like you don't have to necessarily do, you know, audio, video, writing, pick a medium that you really love and expand it. And then as you start to grow that, so let's imagine, you know, podcasts are really great because you have more latitude to speak. But I would really start with, you know, your own social media stream and start to get used to communicating with people and going back and forth and getting comfortable making a point or conveying your feelings, whatever that is. So the other reason why I love those mediums is because they're a little more spontaneous. And really the basis of media coaching is getting people to a point of relaxation where they can tap into their unconscious. And when that happens, things come out almost perfectly. Yes, they need to be shaped and maybe things need to be moved around, but pretty much everyone can tell these beautiful, amazing stories from that place when they're not thinking. And I can see when you do yours, 
you're in that place. You're in that place. And now you've tapped into that. So it's become a thing that you can do on command. And that's where you want to move to, to a place where you can relax and come up with those stories on command. Because much as we want to practice and have, and this is, and this is necessary when you're doing any kind of media, you want to focus on the message that you want to get out there and get those appropriate sound bites out there to connect with your audience and so that they connect with your offer. But at the same time, at the higher levels, what you're doing is relaxing so you can go with the flow so everything comes out perfectly and people really get the feel of you and you're communicating your message because you just have that one maybe short time to communicate your message. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be the other side of it then? If someone who hasn't practice, they haven't gone on social and they aren't familiar with just popping up and speaking to camera and they aren't used to even doing podcasts or anything like that. However, they get a call and they have to show up on Good Morning America. What is the negative side of that? Like what do they need to know or need to prepare for? What is the, I guess, what is the danger of them popping on the highest level of media, which would be television? What would be the negative side of doing that without any of the previous trainings? Yeah. The negative side is that it lives out there forever and anybody can access it. And that means reporters and producers and whatever. So whatever you have said can damage your reputation in the moment, you know? So it is very important to plan for that. So if you have the luck of getting called by Good Morning America, you want to think really deeply about what you want to say. And I know you've gone, I think you've gone through the soundbite course. Have you? Or maybe not. I have grabbed it. I haven't gone through it yet. I'm yeah. So ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you've got, you've got plenty of other things to do. So the basis of that is really three questions. Is number one, what is your big vision? How do you want to serve? And that can be your family, your community. It doesn't have to be an all-encompassing kind of thing. Number two is what do you want for yourself? And that's personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, anything that you want. Like Uh, Do you want more speaking engagements? Do you want to get a book deal? Do you want more followers? Do you want people to buy your product, your program? That you you need to know. And then number three is what do you want your audience to do? What action do you want them to take? Whether it's shifting a perception, buying a book. So those are the foundation of what you're going to say when you're on Good Morning America and you want to plan that. So the upside is you get in front of all of these people. But the downside is if you don't have a clear message, you're not necessarily going to get the kind of traffic and results that you want or grow your business in the direction that you want. That's why it's so important. People often do things back asswards. They reach out to the media and then they have their, oh, you know what, moment, and they don't know what to say. So they say something that's not relevant or that they regret. So that's why you want to plan your sound bites and your messages first before you ever send a pitch to the media and hopefully before they ever contact you, you know? And the good news is you're not going to get called by Good Morning America, most likely unless something has gone viral or, you know, you've touched a nerve or a trend in some way. And if you have, I suggest you start preparing right away to to what you want to say. What are your messages? What are the things that are important to you? And how do you want to grow your business? Like you, Gainate, you know, you've got your programs that you want to get people in. You do some consulting one-on-one, right? But mostly you want to move people into these 
programs and now you don't you have a, and you've got a book deal and so you have things that you want to integrate into the conversation seamlessly while you're giving real value to the audience and that's really key is giving the most value to your audience is you know what important thing do you have that only you can give to your audience mm-hmm that makes a lot of sense. It's really great that you were able to incorporate all of that. And it made it clear for me, what you're saying is when someone goes on a place like Good Morning America, one of the big places, maybe because their video went viral on Twitter or something like that, the downside is if they aren't able to convey their message and share you know, their story and their big why and their call to action while also making them personable and sharing things that make them likable along the way, really just being their authentic self, because that's what makes you likable being you, then you have the possibility that others are going to see that. So other news agents or maybe editors that was going to reach out to you, we're going to reach out to you for a book. They now may see how you present yourself on camera and be turned off by that and may not reach out or you may not be able to grow your business as you planned because you were not prepared. Is that is that accurate? That's 100% accurate. That You said it beautifully. Yes, it's 100% accurate. Thank you. And, and then the other thing is that all the other producers, they watch each other, right? So if you don't do well on one show, you're not going to get invited on any others. And there's also a, a quote unquote audition process. So I had one client who was on Fox News on a panel, right? And, I'm, and I made it clear to her, you know, if you do well, you're going to get invited back. And if you don't do well, this is it. Like it's an audition. And they made it very clear to the publicist who I was working with, this is an audition. If, and if you, if you do well, that's great. If not, we're done with you. So there's that too. So sometimes- How did she do? She did great. Oh, good. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, it was fascinating because she was a lawyer who wrote, now she's got a New York Times bestselling book. But the point is she was used to controlling conversations, right? And I was teaching her, it was a panel. And I said, you need to hold the floor if they- come to you first. You need to hold the floor with fascinating sound bites because the person who talks most interestingly gets the most time. So if you're last in the lineup and they, you know, you have to wait for them to call on you in a panel, you, you have the disadvantage. I said, but if they call on you first, you can hold the floor and they'll stay with you and they'll give other people less time. And I said, and you have to learn to interrupt other people, not impolitely, but when there's a moment to know how to jump in. And that is something that she did not do well the first time, even though we practiced it. We practiced over and over and again because it's real life is even more under more pressure. And she said to me afterwards, that is never going to happen to me again. I saw that some of those opportunities, I missed them and I'm not going to do that again. And then the next panel she was on, she politely was able to jump in. But this is also a skill. This takes practice, especially for women who are taught never to interrupt, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to to practice interrupting. So that's, we do that kind of role play. We do these realistic role plays. I'm going to ramble. You're going to interrupt me. You know, you need to find a place to jump in, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that is a practice. It's not suddenly you pop out of the womb, a whole, a God like Zeus, you know what I mean? You, it's, it's a, it's a, it's practice. Just like you got up on video, like you're doing video, like how many times a day to be brilliant? You know, I mean, you must have, put out hundreds of thousands now. Susan, my videos back in 2015 are straight trash. They're garbage. (laughs) Uh, And I've left them up on YouTube just so that 
not only for me to see the progress, but for others to realize that you don't start where you are. My videos today are nowhere near they, where they should be. So I'm not acting like I'm an expert, but I can see the growth. And I think it is important. And okay. it's something you speak about all the time. Last time we spoke, you were talking about the importance of practice when I had asked a question about nerves. And I was like, that's one big thing so many people have, whether it's a radio you know, interview or whether they're on live television, especially if they're on live television, the sweating, the nerves being afraid, the lights, it all changes things. And I wouldn't forget what you said. You said it's all about the practice, you know, where you can, like you mentioned earlier, speak without even really thinking because you've practiced it so much. And with that practice comes confidence to be able to share your message even better. It's really true. And to put yourself in those situations, like I have a, a client now and um, we are going to be going to the CNN studio in San Francisco because she wants to get better when we can on camera because she knows and because the lights are hot, they're big, you've got a, you know, things zooming in. It's, it's, it's scary. It's intimidating. And I'm even intimidated. I mean, I've been in, you know, a situation where I was in the green room of a local TV station and the host came out and talked to me and said, here are the questions we're going to ask you. And then you're sitting there on this uncomfortable stool, right? With somebody like me who's five two, my feet don't touch the ground. So it's, you know, it's an uncomfortable <laughs> position to be in anyway. And you're trying to balance and sit up straight and not totter off. And the lights are, you can't see anything. The lights are blaring in your face and they go five, four, three, two, one. And right out of the gate, he asked me a question we hadn't ever talked about. You know, I'm like, ah, you and know. I'm sure, I'm sure you, math, you were great at it. I know you were able to pivot that question in a way that went right to where you needed it to be. <laughs> I did, but it's still shy. It was still like, are you kidding me? We like just five minutes before just went over this in the green room. And this is what happens. This is typical in an interview, partly, and it does happen at the top level too. That was a local station, partly because what they're looking for is an interesting answer. So if you've given an answer before or you know something is standard that they've heard before, they don't want that. They don't want to hear a soundbite that they've heard on other stations. You mm -hmm. know, and I have a friend who does the, a podcast for the 1440, the multi-university that's um, like Omega in the East Coast and, and here, you know, it's so Liz Gilbert, all these people go there. And she had done this podcast with this woman, this very well-known author who I love, and she had all these, you know, she did this great interview. And then she went to see her in person when she had her book talk. And she said exactly the same things that were on the podcast. And to me, that's disheartening because you don't want to impart, much as you have these great sound bites, you can't use the same exact ones every single interview that you have. So that's the skill too. You've got to be able to tell the story in different ways. You want to have a variety of stories because if we've heard you once, then what do we think of her now? We go, oh, she's just an automaton. You know, she's <laughs> already got these, she's got these standard stories that no matter what somebody says, she's just going to tell them. We don't want that. We want you to be a real person. Mm -hmm. So I don't recommend that people blurt out their same exact stories. We, we want to practice them in different ways. So they're, so they're interesting and we want to have enough of them that you can be interesting on every interview. Right. So th there's that skill too. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned just now, you mentioned going to CNN when you're able to. Can you just pop up there? Like, is that how it works? You could just 
run into the green room and just practice? Oh, no, 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 no. I have a relationship with them where I, where okay. I, where I no, 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 where I, I, I buy time at the studio. Oh, that's awesome. they, they're the same studio for BBC for CNN. It's an independent studio that that has all of the the green room and the equipment, and we can do any type of uh, satellite interview or cameraman interview. So people who fly into town, like for me to be to media coach them or whatever, they want to get the real experience of what it's like in a studio and be in the studio. Mm -hmm. Because it's a different experience than us just doing it on camera. It's like there are the hot lights, there is the countdown, there's the cameras in your face. The extra pressure that really either makes or breaks you, right? That's and, exactly right. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, they don't really call you these media companies, the large conglomerates, unless something has gone viral or something crazy has happened that's outside the norm, like it's an outlier. So you often do have to pitch yourself. And how do you think this current pandemic and possible recession is going to impact businesses that are trying to pitch the media right now? Such a great question. But one thing I want to say that anybody can, can do and that I think is important and, and can sort of help shift what's going on in the culture today is to sign up for Harrow, help a reporter out. It's free. So it's help a reporter. I think it's helpareporter.com because that way they can get, see what's going on in the culture today, what kind of stories the media needs, reporters and producers and bloggers all write in what are called queries, which are requests for experts, you. And an expert is really just a person who can answer their question well. So that's something that you all can do to start your media softly and easily. That said, it is a lot of work. Like some of the places that I've just applied to, it's like then they send back this questionnaire, you've got to write it all in and do all the work for, because that's the way media has gone. Oh, yes. I've, I've gotten a few oh, of those as well. Yeah. Haro is really helpful. It's funny that you asked me the other day, like, have you responded to any of them yeah. lately? And I'm like, yeah, I haven't even, I haven't, today's the first day I've opened them up in a long time because they, they do have tons each day. You get them three times a day. So it tells you that media isn't dying right now. In fact, it seems as if they're looking even more so for interesting stories, whether it's related to COVID or not. That's exactly right. So there's a variety of things. I, I noticed it's starting to shift a little, shift a little bit away from COVID right now, a teeny bit, you know, so there's not quite as many. And then the other thing is that in terms of responding, like that, that's a really great thing to be able to start to, to, you know, work your chops on, I think, you know, to get a slower start. Broadcast follows print. So if there is something in print that's really interesting, you can be contacted by a broadcast company, a TV or radio, because they are always searching even small publications for that interesting story. So if you've got a great story on your blog or you or someone else's blog that is more trafficked than yours, you can be found that way. You know, mm -hmm. so, oh, so what was mm -hmm. your question? Your question is what, how are things going to change? What, what's yeah. my looking yeah, into so my crystal ball? Was that it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, how do you think the current pandemic and this up, upcoming, well, we can't call it a recession yet because it has to be a few months consecutively to call it a recession. But how do you think it's going to impact this business is trying to pitch right now? Do you think people are going to start looking for the bigger, more well-known experts to provide information at this time? Or do you think it's still business as normal? 
Right now, there's been so much focus on the media of about COVID, and it's really more the people who are getting the press mostly are journalists and doctors, right? Like people who can comment on this and certainly in the in broadcast and people who are academics who have something to share about that. But you could, you've also seen the rise in COVID of like, well, what, you know, how can we keep our families occupied or how can we homeschool school our children? So I think that these are issues that are going to continue to these kind of bigger questions of families. How are we going to live? You know, not just the economic impact, but I think the impact on our psyches. And, and, you know, the question, there was this guy who I loved, who was a thought leader. His name's Charles Eisenstein. Not sure if it's Eisenstein or Eisenstein, but he was one, he was somebody who I watched on that unify.org. And I thought he asked a really fascinating question. This is a thought leader question. The bigger question was, what kind of society do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a society that no longer touches each other? where we're so afraid of death that we're not ever going to hug another human being. So I think these kinds of questions that we have too about how we're going to live are really important ones. So if you can answer those for yourself, for your family too, I think that those are the kinds of things, the questions that we're going to be asking ourselves after this, how, how do we want to live? Is it that risky that we can't have our kids on the playground? you know, even you know, six feet apart where all the playgrounds are closed, you mm -hmm. know? So if you have an opinion about that, I mean, that's thought leader status too, having your own opinions and your thoughts about it. But wherever you may be a person with a big mouth, you know, who does have these enormous opinions. And if you can back them up with statistics and facts and your thoughts, you know, go for it. To be an expert doesn't necessarily mean years and years of schooling no. or something like that, for yeah. sure. And even business owners, those of you who are listening, maybe have a side hustle that I know some of my clients that's been in Cubicle Ditch Academy, they've actually had their businesses pick up since this has happened. So it may even be a matter yeah. of pitching the media, however, but in pivoting your messaging where it's more so like, what did I do or what can you do in order to adjust to this new Zoom facing world? right to bring more business to you because a lot of small businesses are suffering at the moment and that's one way you could probably get a whole lot of traction because they want the answer to that question what can they do differently to make lives their life better as well as the lives of their community and their family right now I'm going to get right back into this interview because in a short bit Susan's going to be sharing all the things about how she's gotten her clients featured in such cool places however if you're listening to this interview and you feel like it's your time to step up and begin getting international recognition via media appearances for your business in order to grow your business and grow your position as a thought leader and just get more clients as a result, then I want you to check out my Media Slay training. It's all things global media, PR, and publicity. I want you to learn the exact things that I did to get featured in Huffington Post, Refinery29, MSM Money, Yahoo, Success, Black Enterprise, and so many others. I share the exact way that you're going to pitch Harrow. I share the exact pitch that I've used in order to get in these places and give you a template to use yourself. It's a one and a half hour intensive media training with a bonus video featuring Susan. So if this is something you're interested in, head on over to gaynete.com forward slash shop and find the media slay training. 
Again, that's gainete.com forward slash shop. G-A-Y-N-E-T-E forward slash S-H-O-P. Now let's get back to this interview. What would you say to that, Susan? Yeah, I agree with that. That's what I call the back door approach because a lot of times people want to go in the front door. Here's my business. I want you to promote my business. But it's really the back door lots of times that gets it. So it is like, how are you being impacted at home with your your family? If you have insights about that or you've got, you're creative about that, I think that that is really there's a huge, huge, huge opportunity for that right now. So the backdoor kind of thing, if you've got a hobby, if you're knitting or you've got a knitters group that you do on Zoom, you know, whatever that is in your, you know, in your imagination, anything that you've come up with that could be helpful to other people or inspiring to other people, that's a very valid angle right now. That's hilarious because you've taught me something. I always go through the back door then because I never try to approach anything with a, hey, interview me and learn all about me approach. It's always from a standpoint where this is what I'm doing. However, this is how your audience is going to benefit. Because I think even Jay-Z mentioned it like in an interview many years ago before his billionaire status is that he never goes into any meeting or comes from any meeting unless both parties benefit. And I think that's important as a business owner that when we're reaching out to these media outlets, yeah, they're going to do us a huge service by sharing our message to the masses, but we need to figure out how we can provide that same benefit to them. Why why us? Why do they want to get it, that information from us? What can we give their audience back in return? So yeah, I always go through the back door. So now it's good to know that. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that on your Refinery29 article about your name. I'm like, oh, you know, that was really interesting, <laughs> right? Because, you know, a lot of people read Refinery29, and now they know, and they're easily going to find you because, you know, your name is unusual, and now it's an asset for you. So that's, I think that's brilliant. And I think a lot of people uh, don't think about that, that it, it is about the back door because they're mm-hmm. so bent on wanting to sell, sell, sell. But I think if you flip it and really think about like, how are the different ways that I can benefit my audience? What do I know that other people don't, you know, mm-hmm. For in sure. every area, right? We have all these hidden skills and, and um, abilities that, that allow us to have our business, but maybe are on the sort of there in the background. Right, for sure. And with the Refinery29, that's something that you would think may not be connected with what I'm doing currently, but there are so many people that have unique names that are in business and they may have looked at them as a liability. But what I have to say is if anyone in media can form their mouths to say Kardashian or Beyonce or these names that are unique, right? It goes to show that it's not a matter of them having difficulty pronouncing your name, but you have to give them a reason to want to, right? And anyone can pronounce it. You have to start looking at shifting your mindset from a place of, why this isn't working for you to how can it work and benefit you? Because I mean, TikTok, I was able to get, I've never posted a video, but I was able to get Gainete on there easily because there aren't any others. So little things like that, it just makes it so beneficial. In your opinion though, what would you say the perfect pitch consists of? Or is there even such a thing? The perfect pitch is when what you have to say matches the audience that the media outlet has, that's the right time, the right person, the right place, the right tone, that is the perfect pitch every time. 
Mm -hmm. So it changes then. So the perfect pitch is never the same. It all depends on who you're pitching. Absolutely. And you know what, for every interview too, I think that, that it's super important to know, not only know the audience. So, you know, you have stories that relate and, and information that relates to the audience, but to research the outlet and the person, you know? So for you, you know, I went up back up of your Instagram feed. I read some of those articles. I found that Refinery29. I was, you know, looking, I was like, what's she up to now? You know, let me get a sense of this. I listened to you. I binged on your podcast on weekend. I was cooking, chopping vegetables. And I think I listened to four podcasts. I mean, I needed to know your <laughs> style, you know, and, and your rhythms and, you know, the kinds of questions that you asked. And so, you know, that's what I, I, I mean, everybody will say that, but so few people do it. Mm -hmm. The research piece is so important. And I'm glad you binge watched or binge listened. I should I say. Did. I did. I did. <laughs> listen. I think I went through four or five. Yeah. So you are awesome. You're hilarious. And you have one as well, but that one's only available on your website, right? Cause I've seen it you post is. it. Mm -hmm. I know we had it up on iTunes and some kind of software glitch happened and I just haven't kept up with it. So I think I did like 30 episodes and I probably want to get back to it at some point, but you would be amazing on a podcast. Thank you. I actually really loved doing it. It was all the back end stuff that took so much time, you know, after it's done, you know, all the other stuff getting it you up. You can use like a fiber and they can edit it for you and do all the things as well. So you don't have to do too much of the admin stuff. You just literally just talk. So it can, it's ways. We could talk about it afterwards. The different okay, ways that you Thank can you make it that. easier. No problem. So I love that though, with the research that you do. And I think that's the little things that people, like you said, say they, they understand and know that it's important, but few people do. It's those little things that set you apart. Knowing who you're talking to, knowing who their audience is, knowing how you can best serve because you're now familiar with who they are and what their audience is. And that makes a huge difference. And I know you've placed and media trained clients who've gotten everywhere from the Oprah Winfrey show and Food Network's Chopped and even in places like the Wall Street Journal, E, Forbes, and the list goes on. I guess my question is, you know, every, the question everyone I'm sure has is how do you do it? Like, is it about connections or is there a certain secret to pass a producer's audition? It's really both. So I was a publicist first. So I booked my clients on all those shows and what I found and shows and publications and what I found. And a lot of these were, you know, people would hire me. Sometimes it was publishers who hired me for someone's book or, you know, corporations for their, for their people. And what I found was that oftentimes it didn't move the needle on their business. It didn't move the dial on their business. And they would come back to me and go, well, that was great, but you know, I didn't sell books or I didn't sell programs or this, you know, didn't raise the level of my, my speaking engagements. And that's when I started really listening to the way what people said and what they spoke. And I started media training my clients, even though I was a publicist, that was not my job. My job, I was hired to book them into the outlets. And when I did that, but then, it, you know, no matter how high a level it was, you know, sometimes it didn't have an effect. And that's why I started media training people. So when they get the opportunity, they can pass the audition, which means, and there are auditions, like there's a publisher who had a guy with a very important book, right? But he had already not passed an audition for Marketplace, which is a PRI show here in the United States, which is very popular. It's a show on economics and culture. And they were really upset about that. And it was because 
he was so boring, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, in, in a word, he was really a snooze. And so I, and, but his information was really interesting. And I'm not going to tell you what it was because you might be able to identify him, but it was very important for me. It was very important information. Let's put it this way. But it was not packaged properly in an interesting way for the public. So that's what we worked on. We worked on packaging him and his information. So when he, and he did, thankfully, oftentimes if you're just yourself, you're not going to get another opportunity to get an audition. So he did go through the audition and they did pass him through so he could speak with Kai Rizdal, who is the host, and do very well on that show. So that's what I do with people now is I work with them. So no matter if it's a print or a podcast or a TV or a radio, they pass the audition first because in the higher levels, maybe your audience might not know this, but at the higher levels, there's pre-auditions. And for something like O or Oprah, before Oprah, there were like four auditions before you ever got on a show. It wasn't just one. And radio, there might be one or two for some of the high level ones, right? So, so they are auditioning you first, the producers, to see if you're, a, if you're viable. And if you don't pass, you don't, you don't get on. Mm, and so for in those auditions, I'm thinking it has to do with you being interesting, you having a story to share, but also ensuring you're nailing those sound bites you talked about earlier, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So so the soundbites, 30 seconds, yes. Mm -hmm. So the soundbites they used, I'm just wondering now, my head's just spinning, just asking myself all these questions as you're speaking. When you're using the soundbites in the interview or in the audition phase, is it okay to use those same soundbites when yes. you go on? Okay. Absolutely. And what happens is, you know, this is a behind the scenes thing too. Sometimes I, I coach my clients not to give away the best soundbites, if it's a recorded show, because oftentimes then the, the host will steal them. Mm, and you don't want that. No, you don't want that. So you don't necessarily want to give your very best ones because especially TV, radio, they can take them. And then you're left with the less interesting ones. Okay, so the real secret, if you're listening, guys, well, obviously you are listening. The real secret is to hire Susan and that's just it. <laughs> then you have all the goods and all the information. <laughs> I love that. It's my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing to do. And I you're so great at it. And oh, and I wanted to clarify something because you're like, oh, you just want to work with high level people. But you know what? No, that's not true. I do have, I have a variety of, of clients and some of them are beginners. I love to work with people who are devoted and who do the work. So it doesn't matter if they're at the beginning. It's really a matter of the devotion of, mm -hmm. of you know, being able to do the work. So I just want to say that because I do have a variety. I have the highest level and I have people who are just beginning. So awesome. I love awesome. it. Yeah. And the other day I bookmarked this tweet you had where you were sharing your top 10 media techniques that work every time. And it was so good. It was really, really good. Thank and you. And just for those of you who are listening, I will link that blog post below in the show notes of this episode because I need you to know all 10. But can you share a few of those really big ones for the audience that are listening? Yeah, so maybe a big one might be a question that's too personal. Women get this more. It's sort of like there's two ways to be aggressive on TV. There's the Bill O'Reilly way, which is to you know, shout and get, use big energy. And then there's the way that's a little more common with women, which is to ask a question that's too intimate. I'm girl friendly with you. And now I can ask you, you know, um, you know, a more personal question that maybe 
inappropriate. You know, it's a, here's one, here's one for you and Dean. Well, given the size difference between the two of you, because he's so tall, how does that work in bed? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> would someone really, would somebody really ask that question? Depending on the topic and, you know, depending on the, the topic, it's not necessarily relevant to what you do, but, but somebody can say, oh, you know, how do you relax? And you can say, I get massages and I hang out with my husband. Oh, I've noticed your husband's really tall. How does that work for you? That's an Ellen DeGeneres question. And how would I answer something like that then without <laughs> talking about it? So you would answer it with great humor. Oh, I love that idea because that's what I was wondering when I was first dating him. How's that going to work out? And you can say, you know, it works out fine as long as we're not standing up. I mean, you can be funny about that, you know? <laughs> And you could also say, you know, you, so that might be, you use, you can use humor and you can say, you know, you, then you can divert it. So you might say something like, oh, well, what I really want to talk about is like, who does the chores? Because that's really the issue in keeping a marriage together. It's not what happens in the bedroom. Mm, so you're able to pivot the question. Oh, that's You can really pivot the question. So you could say, oh my God, that's so hilarious. I wondered the same thing. You know, you can even say this lightly and, you know, that's something I'm never going to tell your audience. And what I will tell them is that one of the most romantic things that Dean ever did was done. Uh -huh. <laughs> So keeping a bit of mystery while also pivoting the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when a question is too personal, you can say, what I'd really like to say is, or I'd really love to keep that part of my life private. And what I'd like to share is this, you know, so you can say that really nicely. Oh, well, that, that's something that I don't even talk to my mother about. So I'm certainly not going to tell your audience, you know, so you can, I think you can easily do that. And what I will share with them is this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's a good one. There was so many, well, nine other really great ones. So like I said, I'm going to link that blog post below so you guys can learn what the top 10 media techniques are that work every time. So what would you say is a big mistake you see in interviews that often makes you cringe when you're watching? The biggest one is rambling, you know, not having the stories ready that will grow your business seamlessly. And on the opposite end, people who are promoting their business too, obviously. So I think those are the two things, rambling, like you're just going on and on and on. And number two, it's like, it's too obvious. Like I recommend that people say the title of their book instead of saying the book, you're never going to say in my book, you would say in sell yourself without selling your soul. But I'm not going to say that five times in an interview, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's just too much. Or, you know, keep saying, you know, just harping on that because nobody wants to hear to have their show or their program or whatever it is turned into a commercial. So mm -hmm. those two things. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you do, then they're likely not going to call on you again. And the other media outlets that are watching them probably aren't going to call you either. <laughs> so we definitely need to commit that to the memory bank. And you have so many products and freebies on your website that's available to help entrepreneurs get prepped for media. So which three do you think would be the most helpful for my audience? You know, they're female, millennial entrepreneurs listening in. Which three do you think would be the best for them? Yes. And I love all of you female millennial entrepreneurs. I just think it's so wonderful that you are starting your own businesses. I, we need more of you. 
Um, number one is the 100-word email that can get the media to call you. So just come go to my homepage at PRSecrets.com. It just is, there's a big pop-up, giant pop-up. You can't miss it. And then the other one is Speak in Soundbites. I think you'll link this because it's a longer link. Speak in Soundbites, five surefire strategies to get more clients, customers, and sales and become a media darling because that is so important. And here's the thing. If you start to get your soundbites down, you will start to find out what it is that you want to pitch the media. So I know that we are excited and we really want to pitch the media. Get the messaging down first before you reach out, and then you're going to be able to have a better chance of getting booked, whether it's any any kind of media, right? A podcast, a blog, whatever that is. And what was the title of that again? Speak in Soundbites, Five Surefire Strategies to Get More Clients, Customers, and sales and become a media darling. So that'll also help your, we, were you going to say something? I heard you in breath. Oh, I was just, I love it. That's what, that's all. <laughs> that was me just dying yeah. with adoration. <laughs> because, oh, so, I love you so much. You're so great. Um, it's really sound bites. When you start to have your sound bites down, because the key thing in sound bites is what does my audience need to know now and how can I help? So when you're on the phone with clients, it's the same thing. You're not going to tell the same story to every single client. A client has an issue or a fear or something. You're going to tell a story that addresses that fear or that objection or whatever it is. So that's why I really think once you start to master sound bites, you can use them everywhere. And you're also going to start to use them in your bio and on your website and your key messaging goes everywhere. It's not just in media. You really need to have your message down for Instagram, for TikTok, for anything, you know? I mean, that's... Um, for your Haro bio. For your Haro bio, you have to have, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's critical. And to be able to get to the point, like quickly, to get to the point for the, the person who is in front of you and for their purpose. So it's really that kind of connection. So that's number two. And then the third one, is get into O Magazine. So I have, um, we just updated this. It's how to get featured in, in Oprah's Magazine and it's 15 of the best places that you, so whatever you have, I've found the 15 places where there's a place for you. And what I wanna say is that even if you've started your business or you have a side hustle, you can still get into O Magazine because there's so many ways. If you have a product in there, you really need to be prepared for hundreds of thousands of, you know, of items to be able to have that. But they work with you on that. They want to make sure that you're ready before you get in the magazine. They want to make sure you have the capacity. So don't worry about, don't worry about it ahead of time. Like, oh my God, how am I going to, if I get into O Magazine, what am I going to do? How am I going to ramp up? That is a great problem to have. And I did have a client who had that issue. She was on Oprah's show, but they said, you need to have like 50,000. And I said, well, you don't have to produce them because you don't want to, because they were hard copy. I said, you don't want to, they were programs, but they were hard copy. I said, you don't have to produce them. You just have to talk to your facility and make sure that they can produce them if they're sold. You know what I mean? So there's smart ways to work behind the scenes. But what I want to mm -hmm. say about get into, oh, is there's all of these places, there's place for beginners intermediate and experience, and that's going to have an effect accordingly. You know, if you get a one-liner in O Magazine, you can still say you were an O Magazine girl, you know, like, you know, 
So you can <laughs> go and use that in your marketing for, you know what I mean? Like if you're quoted in one, one line, you've still gotten in O magazine. So it's, it's can have a huge value to people at any stage of their business. So those three. For sure. And what about someone who wants to work with you one-on-one? They hear you speaking, they feel like they're in the place in the business where they're ready to become a media darling, right? How do they know they're the right person? What do they need to do in order to get in contact with you for that? Yeah. So on my site on prsecrets.com, there's a link that says um, book a consult. So you can do that. And then if you're not ready for that, I do have courses, you know, so I have all level of PR courses. Right now they're all separate but I'm going to put them all into one. But there's the soundbite course, there's the course that shows you how to create a PR campaign in 25 days. So how to write a press release. I have all of those on the website. So whatever level you're at and whatever level of engagement, you can start to look at each of those. And I, and of course, I'd love to hear from you personally. I'm, I'm, I would be thrilled about that. And I'll link to your Twitter as well as your Instagram below as well. So if you're listening to this and you want to reach out to her, by all means, go on prsecrets.com and book that consultation. And also take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on Twitter and Instagram, preferably Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. And I'll have the links below and let us know you're enjoying it. Thank you so much for being on here, Susan. And it's one, there's one question I should say, I love asking towards the end of every single interview and you've provided so many great gems along the way where you're allowing people to create freedom because you're giving them the opportunity to market themselves and promote themselves, I should say, in these large media outlets that's allowing them to grow their business and all of the things to create freedom for themselves. But what does freedom mean to you? It means spaciousness in my mind. I have a really busy mind. Mm. And to me, that kind of peace of mind, I am very active both physically and in my mind, right? So to be able to really chill and working toward letting go of all kind of anxiousness so I can be sort of open to the flow of whatever happens. That's really what I'm working on now. I mean, the other part of the, the freedom, yes, I love my massages and I love working whenever I, you know, there's a joke that you can work any 80 hours of a week you want. I don't work any, I used to um, in the beginning, you know, but now I love that. I love that I can walk when I want. I can, I can take the day off with my, my I take, you know, a day when I have my writing class, I work, go out and work in my garden, you know, in between. I love the freedom to set my own schedule and to ch- actually choose the people who I work with too. If somebody, you know, if I, if I don't resonate with the person and I don't think that I can help them, I don't take them on. So I, I love the, the ability to choose my clients as well. So choose my schedule, choose my clients have the leisure time. Like I was talking to a potential client. She said she had two hours a month to herself. I thought, oh my God. That's crazy. And talking to you would then, uh, it would take away those two hours. It would take away the two hours. I know. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? I was, I just thought to myself, I would hate that life. You know, I need a life of expansiveness and opportunity where if somebody calls me up and says, you know, let's, let's go out to lunch or let's go to the movies. I have the flexibility to do that. So those two things, I think both the physical freedom and the freedom in my mind. Love it. And I cannot wait till we both can do our weekly massages again. 
Right? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much again. You've provided so many gems for those who are looking to get their sound bites together, looking to get more exposure in the media so they can speak about their businesses, of course, but more so so they can help others around them. And I think you've given them so much knowledge and they're going to be grabbing your content, the hundred questions that they can no, so, sorry, was it the 100 quote? No, the 100, 100 word email that can get yes. the media value or the, the webinar or the, the masterclass, which is Speak and Sound Bites. Yes, they're going to yeah. grab onto those. And it's my hope that they're reaching out to you to work as well when they're ready or if they're ready, because I know you are amazing. Thank you. You are too. And that's why, we, that's why we've connected and stayed in touch from 2015, which is really incredible. <laughs> right? Yes. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. So there you have it. You've met Susan Harrow of PR Secrets of Harrow Communications, Inc. and got all the goods, but not all of them. If you want all of them, you need to hit up her website, prsecrets.com. And again, all the links are going to be below in the description of this podcast so that you could get in her world because she has such a wealth of knowledge that you've been able to tell just from this podcast episode and I have personally purchased a bunch of Susan's programs, her e-courses, and I'm actually working with her right now. And I can put my hand over heart and attest that she's amazing. So if you're feeling like you are ready to really step it up a notch and get that media exposure that can really change your business and help you to 2X and 3X and more X your business, then it's time to reach out to Susan. Go on PR Secrets and sort it out. And even if you're sitting there a little nervous, like not thinking you're ready yet, that's exactly what she's here for as a media coach, to ensure that you're able to perfect that message and get those sound bites tight. And if you've gotten anything at all out of this podcast, if you learned something new or you it resonated with you or you've been triggered to get up and move forward with your business and putting yourself out there in a different way or anything like that, I want you to leave a review for this podcast. That's how I know that these interviews and these different topics are interesting to you and they're actually beneficial because that's what I do it for. Leave a review for the podcast. It literally takes about 20 seconds. In the Apple Podcast Store where you find Freedom Slave Podcast, you'll click on my podcast, you'll just slide down, you'll see a bunch of like the stars and stuff like that. You'll hit the star rating that you want to give it and give a quick review. It literally takes 20 seconds. I appreciate you and we'll chat next time. Okay, okay, I see you Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.